All right, we're going to be in uh, John chapter 4 this morning. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do. John chapter 4. Um, it's a pleasure to be here this morning. Uh, Brother Kevin asked me to fill in this morning, and uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to do that. So um, normally I'm preaching on Sunday nights at East Ridge, and then Brother, Brother Al and I swap on Wednesdays. Uh, he'll do a series, and I'll do a series, and I just started one in Proverbs uh, on Wednesday night, so that's, that's exciting, and uh, you know, I, I enjoy preaching. Um, been doing it for a few years. God called me to preach, and when I first got called to preach, I didn't listen right away. You know, I was trying to be, um, oh, kind of like a fella by the name of, uh, you know, Jonah. So I didn't necessarily run the opposite direction, but I didn't run the direction God was calling me. And he used a ditch digger to uh, open my eyes, and I was crushed by a ditch digger and brought within inches of my life and spent three days in ICU. Uh, that sounds familiar, right? Three days in the belly of a well, three days in ICU. And when I came out of ICU, I told my wife, give me the phone. And I called my pastor then at that time was uh, Brother Dale Nasworth, the Friendship Baptist. And I said, Pastor, said uh, God's called me to preach. And he said, I know that. I said, boy, I sure wish you'd have told me sooner. I might have avoided some of this. Amen. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that, that's all done with. And I answered the call. And here I am today. So exciting to be here. Got uh, my wife and two of my daughters and my little grandbaby. Um, we, we are raising that little young in there, Luna. She's two going on three. Um, she might get a little rowdy. If so, my youngest will take her out. But uh, um, like I said, take her out back, rock her to sleep. And if that don't work, bring her back outside and use a bigger rock. Amen. So, <laughs> all right, folks. I got to get a little icebreaker because I'm always nervous. And I like to be nervous because if I'm not nervous, then I feel like I'm in control and I don't want to be in control. I want God to have his way this morning. So let us pray one more time and then we'll look at what God has for us this morning. Uh, Father, we're so grateful and thankful to have opportunity to come and worship today, Lord, not only to lift our praises to you, but to look into your word. And Father, as we come together, we, we come to hear from you. Oh, what beautiful music this morning to be able to praise you and, and to lift up your name. My Father, how important it is that you meet with us, Lord. And we know your promise where we're gathered together in your name. You're in the midst. And we're clinging on to that, Father, knowing that you're here with us. So speak to your people today. And maybe someone here doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. They're not sure that if they die today that they're going to heaven. Father, may they make that decision today. May they come to that relationship with Jesus Christ. Fathers, we look into your word, have your way, and we give you glory and honor. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. In John chapter 4, you'll find the um, history. I, I always hesitate to say story, but the history, uh, the historical telling of the woman at the well. And uh, characters in this story are... Uh, of course, Jesus, he's the message. Of course, we have the disciples. That's the ones that knew the message. They were there and had the message with them. And, and they considered they were the clean, right? The, the Israel, God's chosen people, the disciple. Uh, they were the ones that were the clean. And then you have the Samaritan woman. And she's going to be the one that's going to receive the message. She's going to be presented with the message and receive the message. But she's also considered the unclean, as well as that whole region. 
Uh, you know, but this poor woman, she was so unclean that even her own people had nothing to do with her. And I say poor woman, uh, you say, well, her, in her background, and she had multiple husbands, and the one she was with wasn't her husband, so essentially she was living in adultery. Why would you say this poor woman? If God looks at all of us, we could all say of ourselves, this poor soul, would it not be for the message, would it not be for Jesus, we would all be in the same boat as this lady. Now the history between the Jews and the Samaritans, the Samaritans were seen as mongrels, scum of the earth, lowlifes, people that the Jews didn't want anything to do with. You know any folks like that in your life? Is there folks in your life that maybe you don't want anything to do with because you kind of look down on them as they're unclean and, and unworthy and I just don't want to be around those? Hmm. That's how the Samaritans were viewed. You know, Jacob, Jacob, earlier on, he had given the land of Sychar to Joseph. And so both of the forefathers of Israel, the Samaritans, was Jacob. They had a common ancestor. And yet the Samaritans were looked upon as lowlives. The Samaritans built a place of worship in Mount Gerizim. And the Jews worshipped in Jerusalem. And many, if not most of the times, the Jews traveling from Judea or to Galilee would take an extra day or two journey just to go around Samaria. See, the shortest path was directly through Samaria, but they hated the people so much that they would take the total opposite and out-of-the-way direction, even crossing over the Jordan, going around, coming back over the Jordan, so they could avoid going into Samaria. Oh, what a hated people. But what a people that needed to hear the message. In Luke chapter 9, verses 52 and 53, we find that the Samaritans refused to receive Jesus. And see, this hatred went both ways. They refused to receive Jesus because they saw he was heading to Jerusalem. So we read earlier that Jesus was on his way and he was going through. And the Samaritans said, nope, we don't want anything to do with you. Carry on your way. It's kind of interesting that the hatred went both ways. Amen. In fact, when that took place, Old James and John, James and John, oh, good old boys, right, rough and tough. They questioned Jesus after that. So Jesus, are you going to call down fire from heaven and just annihilate them like Isaiah's deal? And Jesus said, no, you don't understand what you're saying. You know, I was looking and, and, and going over all this and thinking about this, and sometimes, sometimes there's people out there we look at and say, you know, God, why don't you just annihilate those folks? Why don't you just take them out? I think of some of the atrocities that take place in, this, in our own land, but even around the world. I think of how abortion's been legalized in our country, and there's people that celebrate the killing of babies. And it's easy to look at that and say, that is wicked and ungodly. Why don't we just take those people out? And then here there was missionaries in, was it over in Afghanistan? I think it was just somebody mentioned the other night. There were missionaries that were going to be beheaded for the sake of Christ. Twelve of them, if I remember right. Twelve missionaries. I could be wrong. I don't, somebody was telling me the other day. Do you remember? She said, no. There was more than that? Well, maybe so. Anyway, there was missionaries set to be beheaded in today's time. Because of their stand for Christ. He said, God, why don't you just come down and annihilate the enemy? Why don't you take them out? 
And we got to stop for a moment and remember that Jesus Christ died for all. He didn't die just for those who, you know, were good people. You know, the folks that were good old boys, good old gals. He didn't just die for those. He died for all. He was willing to accept all if they come to him. You know, Scripture tells us God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so he's willing that all. And I think back in history to the likes of Hitler and how in the world that Jesus would look forward and die for someone like that. And you can think back to Napoleon. Any, anybody in history you want to name that had been cruel and unusual punishment to people. The Romans that were in charge at the time the early Christians walked or at the time when the Jews were under their control. You see, how in the world could God love people like that? You know, sometimes we get to think highly of ourselves, too highly. And I think, and I, I stop for a moment, I say, God, if it wasn't for Jesus, I would be accounted just like all those other people. For in my mind, I've murdered. In my mind, there's been adultery. In my mind, there's been anything. In my mind, I've been just as guilty as any others. And I deserve the same condemnation that even those who did it. And it's humbling to stop and think that Jesus died for one like me. For one like me that was stubborn and rebellious and did not want to answer a call. For one like me who did things behind my parents' back. You know, disobedient to parents. You know, in the Old Testament, do you, you know what would happen to kids that were disobedient to parents? They'd take them out back and stone them. You'll look it up in the Old Testament if you don't believe me. The judgment for being disobedient to parents was death. Boy, we've come a long way, right? So, Brother Dave, you advocating death to kids? No, not at all. But the seriousness that we ought to take when, when we think about disobedience, we ought to be up to a higher standard than what we're at. And today, we just seem to laugh at sin and push sin off or even turn the head to sin. Hmm. Let's get to our message. That's all land yet. The scene starts in John chapter 4, verse number 4. Let's go back to 3. It says, He left, or Jesus left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. I find it interesting that in the King James is using, He must needs go through Samaria. It, it, was, it was not a, oh, let me just happen to go through. It was something he had to go do. There was a purpose for him going. It was something that could not be avoided. There was something that was drawing him that he needed to go through Samaria. It was important that that route be taken today, that they not go the user route all the way around, that there was something that was going to happen. And so this was an uncommon place for the Jews. He must need to go through Samaria. It said, Then he cometh to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. This is an uncommon time to find anybody at the well. The sixth hour would roughly be about noon, the heat of the day. 
Why, surely those who were self-respecting women would have already gone out early and gotten the water, or maybe they would go out later and gotten the water. They wouldn't go in the middle of the day when it was hot. But yet Jesus must needs go through Samaria because he's coming to the well where there was a woman that needed Jesus. The Bible tells us there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. You know, it's interesting, the Bible tells us that Jesus was weary, and that kind of lets us in to know that Jesus did submit himself to be fully man, and on his journey, it was a long journey, and it was hot. He did get weary, he did get tired. It was noontime, he was probably hungry. He was definitely thirsty, because he's asking for water. But it's the icebreaker, the opener to get to talk to this lady. Give me some water. The disciples have gone away into the city to buy meat. So here's a side story that's taking place, and there's no, not a whole lot given about it, but we have Jesus and the Samaritan woman, and we have the disciples going into the city to get food. Then saith the woman of Samaria, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She knew the history. She knew looking at Jesus that he was a Jew. And she knew that they normally would not talk to her. And it really struck her. So how in the world is someone like you going to ask me for a drink when y'all don't have anything to do with this? And Jesus answered, said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. It was an uncommon message. We're in an uncommon place at an uncommon time with an uncommon message. And folks, today, as we're going about our day, do you ever stop at the uncommon place with the uncommon message? You know, sometimes we get caught up in our routine and we go about our day, we go to, we go to work and uh, we do what we need to do and then we go home and we never think about who we come in contact with during the day. But maybe there's an uncommon person that needs a touch from Jesus and we got that uncommon message that needs to be given. But sometimes we're just caught up in daily life. We see the disciples and if you know the story, you know that they go and they come back and nothing exciting happened with the disciples. Twelve men that went about their day and did nothing exciting for Jesus. Didn't get anybody's attention. Didn't bring anybody back with them. And folks, in our day, do we get excited about Jesus? Do we tell others about him? Do we let them know? Or do we just continue our day like there's nothing going on? Do we get up in the morning and say, I must need get this message out today. There's somebody out there God's put on my heart and I must need talk to him. It doesn't matter what it takes. It doesn't matter if I'm going a different way today. Well, God, wherever you lead, I need to go there because you have a message for someone. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, you'd be asking me for living water. And I imagine it kind of puzzled the woman. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence thou hast um, that thou living, excuse me, from whence then hast thou that living water? 
You see, the woman's thinking in the physical. She hasn't got the spiritual yet. She's thinking at Jesus and saying, you don't have anything to get water with. How in the world are you going to give me living water? That's a good question, I reckon. And, and to the lost that don't understand their need, they're going to have questions. And we need to be ready to answer. She asked him, Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which he gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And she asked, who, who do you think you are? Are you greater than my forefather Jacob? Oh, if she only knew that she was talking to Jesus Christ, she'd have never asked that question. She'd have known that who she was talking to was greater than Jacob. She'd have known that who she was talking to was the creator of Jacob. She'd have known that who she was talking to is the sustainer of life, the one who can give her that living water that she would never thirst again. She would have known that. But see, she was still blinded by sin. She was still blinded by the world. She was still blinded by her lost condition. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Showing her physical need. You keep living like this. You keep walking this way. You keep doing this. You're going to keep thirsting. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And boy, isn't it wonderful how Jesus sustains us. You don't have to have much in the world, and yet you can have everything when you have Jesus. You know, we, we don't have a lot of things, and after Hurricane Laura, a whole lot of things that we did had are gone. But we never starved, never went starving. We never went thirsty. God provided our needs. We never went without a place to sleep. God provided our needs. We may not have all the riches in the world, but we have that to sustain, and that's what Jesus provides. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. He's got her intrigued. He's given her the uncommon message, and she's thinking, Man, I don't want to be thirsty anymore. And I don't think it's clicked just yet, but it's about to click, and she's still thinking in the physical that I don't want to have to be coming out here at a, at a time where it's so hot because everybody hates me and they don't want to be seen with me, so i got to come by myself, and, and it's good and hot, and, and the load is heavy. Boy, I would sure like to not have to do that. I would like to be able to have this water that I'm not going to thirst anymore. But it's about to hit her. It's about to hit her exactly what Jesus is talking about, and he's going to give her so much more than water. Because Jesus said unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast five husbands, with whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that saidst thou truly. He just hit her with truth. He just hit her with her sin. He just hit her where the need was at. Notice he wasn't ugly. He never looked down upon her. He never ridiculed her. But he told her a need. You see, he started with that humble conversation to get her talking, to get her comfortable. And then he exposed the area of her life that needed help. He said, you're full of sin. And the woman now recognizes Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. And she tries to justify some things. And this is one, you know, you start talking to people about sin. 
you start talking about Jesus, you know what pops up most of the time? Yeah, well, I go to church at such and such place. That's good. When was the last time you've been there? They won't answer that one. What do they teach you over there? You're not going to get that answer. Jesus, uh, the lady says, we worship in the mountain. Verse 20, our fathers worship in the mountains. And you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. She was just met with her sin. She was just met with a problem, and she's trying to justify some things, and she's trying to change the topic. And she said, hey, we go worship in the mountain. Y'all say we got to worship in Jerusalem. She's just trying to skirt the issues here. She's trying to skirt the issues, but Jesus will continue on as he gives her the truth. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. And he quickly got away from the physical act of doing what is called worship. She was trying to say about her good deeds of how she goes to church. Uh, or, or I do, you know, we'll talk to people and say, hey, um, tell me about your relationship with Christ. Oh, well, I put money in the offering plate. Or, uh, yeah, I go to church every so often. Uh, Christmas and Easter, I'm there. Or even I go every Sunday morning. And what about Sunday night and Wednesday night? Are you meeting those nights? Does your church meet there? Are, are you going when your church meets? No. Um, but I do good. I, I, I give people food. I meet their need. I give them water. I see the homeless and I help them out. And there's a list of good things that people do. And those are great. Don't get me wrong. They're wonderful. But that wasn't helping her any. She was focusing on her good deed that she was doing. And I don't know how much hurt this woman had. I imagine having five husbands... And living in adultery now, this woman probably had a lot of hurt. And she probably had a big wall put up where she really didn't want anybody crossing over. And I imagine she was ridiculed quite a bit from the other women, which again is why she was there at noon getting water, not with all the other women or the other servants. She was alone. There was a wall put up. I imagine she felt guilt. I imagine she felt shame. And folks, if we stop and think about the lost people in the world, they are kind of got the same thing going on. They bring up all these other things about good works and because they're trying to justify the way they live and, and, and hopes that God is going to look down and say, well, you've done enough good that the bad's going to be outweighed and you're going to be okay. And they're hoping on something that's not going to happen. Jesus said, it's not about where you worship. It's about how you worship. It's spirit and truth. It's about coming to know truth. That truth is Jesus. It's about worship and spirit. It's that relationship. That's what Jesus was telling her. It's got nothing to do with what you do and how you do it. It's got to do in the relationship that you have. She said, there's coming a time where you don't have to meet at the temple. In fact, at times right now, that's what he was telling her. He was right there. 
She didn't have to go to the mountain to worship. She didn't have to go to Jerusalem to worship. She was looking at the Savior. He said, the time is now, and I've given you truth. Now you need to take care of it in your spirit. He hit her with her need. He said, you were doing the good works, so-called. You were worshiping at the temple. He said, but you're lost, and you're hurting because you're living in sin. It was truth. And he said, I'm the truth. I'm here with this message. I want to give you living water. This woman heard the truth. The Bible tells us, the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. See, she's heard the message before. And when he has come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. She just let him know, I'm that one you've been hearing about. I'm that one you thought you were worshiping. I'm that one that can meet your need. You see, that's why he was telling her he could give her water that would never thirst again. He was letting her know that there was something missing in her life and she was hungry and thirsty with the things of the flesh and it was never going to be fulfilled because the only fulfillment we're going to have is through Jesus Christ. It's the only way we're going to feel worthwhile. It's the only way we're going to have that void inside that, that was taken away when, when sin entered the world and, and relationship with God was destroyed. The void entered into man. And the only way to heal that void was with Jesus. I am he. And now we've seen the disciples come back on the scene and they're wondering what in the world is Jesus doing talking to this woman. I want you to see something. Here's, here's where I know what took place in this woman's life. It says the woman left her water pot. She went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all the things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Two things happened. She left her water pots and she went and told. You see, that woman went to the well that day with a purpose. And that purpose was to get water. To meet the need of her household. And when she left that day, she left the pots she got Jesus and she got a new purpose in her life she turned from that old way she received the message that he offered and she went and told you know folks that's what God's called us to do when you come to know Jesus Christ as your savior he's given you that living water He's giving you that new purpose in your life. And sometimes, even after we get born again, we can still get caught up in daily life and we get caught up in the hustle, the bustle of everything. And we forget that God gave us that new purpose and that was to go and tell. Go and tell. You see, it's not our job to save people, we never can. It's our job to go and tell. Twelve men went into the city to buy food, didn't say a word. Two of those men wanted to annihilate the Samaritans earlier on. Didn't say a word. Jesus met a woman who was seen as unworthy and gave her new life. Gave her living water. And she went and told. And the men in the city came out to hear the message. Folks, how many people are coming out to hear the message because you've gone and told? You know one of the biggest reasons people don't come to church? They aren't invited. They aren't invited. 
you know, sometimes we get caught up and the devil wants to put fear in us and tell us that, you know, they don't want to hear your message. They don't want nothing to do with Jesus. And we start buying into that or say, if you say anything about Jesus, you're going to get ridiculed and you're going to get picked on. And, and, and man, you just fill your mind with all kind of stuff. It keeps us from doing what we're supposed to do. Go and tell. So, brother, how do you know that we're not going and telling because our churches aren't full? Because our churches aren't having baptisms every Sunday. It's, well, baptisms don't save, no, but it's the evidence of salvation. We aren't seeing people saved. We're seeing a culture that's running away from God faster than it ever has before. We're seeing a generation that is laughing and, and holding a fist up to God and mocking. We're one generation away from a godless society. We really are. You notice those in charge today aren't after us older folk. They're after our young people. They're trying to get the ideologies changed in school. They're trying to change the teachings in the classroom. And when, you know the headlines. I don't have to go through everything. But they want to change the way our kids think. Because if they can get that generation, they know they can't get the older generation. We know what we know and we believe what we believe and we're too stubborn to change. <laughs> I chuckle because where I work, there's a lady there that, I shouldn't say lady, there's a, a woman there that identifies as a man. And prefers to be called by a man's name and wants to have the pronouns he and him and all that good stuff going. And I don't adhere to that, you know. Eyes can see. There's evidence. We know what's right. And God puts in my heart what's right. Um, but one of the excuses that management gave her is that Mr. David's old school. He's an older guy. He's not going to change his way. You're just going to have to put up with that. I'm like, really? The, the younger generation has fallen away. And it's fallen away because the older generation has got caught up in life. Not in the sin of life, but just busy in life. And we're missing out, and, and, and we're not taking the younger folk by the hand and saying, hey, let me help you. And, and we're not giving them the info that they need to, to persevere. And, and they're falling by the wayside. Hey, folks, life's tough. If you've lived in Louisiana for the last two years, you know life gets tough. And sometimes it takes somebody to come up beside you and say, hey, let me help you. Folks, we've got to take our younger fold and we've got to mentor them. We've got to teach them. We've got to give them the message. We've got to take our young fold and make sure that they hear the message. You know, kids are leaving the church left and right. They, they turn 18, get out of mom and dad's house. And we're losing teenagers. Because they only came to church. Mom and dad made them go, and that's great. I'm glad you do. Don't stop. Get them to go. But when they're done, then they don't choose to go no more. My oldest is that way. I got one that's like that. She's a year older than my other daughter right here, and they raised the exact same way. One has chosen God, and one has chosen the ways of the world. Satan wants our kids.
The world wants our kids. The world wants to take our message and say it's old and it's antiquated and it's no good and it's in that old book that doesn't mean nothing and, and it's hate speech. Christians are some of the most loving people in the world, a true born-again Christian. It's not until we get to those self-righteous Christians that we start running into trouble. Those people that think that we are better than, than you are. <laughs> those disciples, the Jews, the better-than-thou-art religious people. People of Samaria would have never come to know Jesus had it been up, left up to the religious people. Folks, we got a message that we need to get out. and We need to tell others. Don't keep it to yourself. I'll be the first one to stand right there and tell you, yeah, it's nerve-wracking sometimes. We'll go hand out gospel tracts, and uh, it's a battle every time that I get in my vehicle to head wherever we're going to, to hand out gospel tracts. I'm not, it's funny, God called me to preach because I'm not comfortable standing in front of people. Uh, I'm not comfortable meeting strangers that's out of my comfort zone, and God has called me out of my comfort zone. Hey, you know something? God's going to work outside of your comfort zone. He don't want you to be comfortable because he doesn't want you to work in your own strength, and he gets you outside of your comfortable, comfort zone. And so many times, he gets me out of my comfort zone, but then it's a spiritual battle, and it's God, I need to do this. I know that this needs to be done, and these people need to hear a message, but God, my flesh doesn't want to do it help me now please and he's answered that prayer every time and and I praise our teenagers at Eastridge that they'll come out and hand gospel tracts with as we'll go to parades or if there's something taking place that we know about we'll try to go out there and hand gospel tracts out to folks and we got young folk that'll get out there with us we're mentoring them we're taking them by our side and say hey come on and, and I remember one uh, it was one of the red white blue and you Y'all don't have a clock up here. That's, in, that's dangerous. Red, white, blue, and you. <laughs> was going on, and we went over there to hand out tracks a few years ago. And I have my baby girl with me. She's not here today. I say my baby girl, she's 15, so she'd have been this about two years ago, three years ago. So she'd been about 13. And I had her with me, and we was walking around to different areas at the Civic Center, and, and there was this group. Let me just say different people. It was a group of different people over here in these fancy-looking cars. And I'm not talking about, like, rich people cars. I mean, like, lowered cars and shined up. So you, you know what I'm talking about when I say a different people. Um, they had the rap music going on. Smoke was coming up everywhere and a terrible smell. So you get the picture. And the spirit was saying, go over there. And my flesh said, no. But the spirit wins out, amen. <laughs> I've had enough of listening to my flesh. It gets me in trouble. And so we went over there, and my little baby girl and I walked in there, and she just started handing out tracks like it was nothing, no fear. And I'm like, yes, you go, girl. And, and not to be out, not to have baby girl outdo her daddy. We go in there, and we just I'd start looking these guys in the eyes. I say, here, let me hand you something. This just tells you about the love of Jesus. Let me tell you about the love of Jesus. And they took those, and we walked out of there and having given the love of Jesus to every one of them. To look at them in the eyes, it's the people that I normally wouldn't have gone around. But I went into there. It was an uncommon place. It was an uncommon time. But I had an uncommon message, and we brought it to them. And I don't know if any of them got saved. We didn't have an opportunity to actually talk to them then. You come to find out later, it was a rap group, and they were there making a video, a rap video. 
right there on the grounds of the Six Center. And so, um, if you know anything about rap videos, you know some of kind of the scantily clad and, and rough looking stuff that takes place in them. And, and we was right there in the middle of it. And God led us right through. And it was peaceful as we went in because God was with us. Folks, don't let the uncommon things scare you. You do have an uncommon message that needs to be given. You do. They need to hear. Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? And it says, how are they going to hear if nobody tells? And how are we going to tell if nobody goes? It says, precious are the feet of those who deliver the gospel message. When you give the gospel, the Bible says your feet are precious. Folks, I sell shoes for a living. There's some feet out there that aren't precious. The Bible says your feet are precious when you deliver the gospel. Go and tell someone today. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You say, Brother, Brother Dave, I don't have that message. I'm just like that woman at the well. I'm full of anger and I'm full of hate and, and I'm hurting and, and I, I need a drink of that living water. I'm thirsty and longing for something and I don't know how to feel it. I've tried drugs and I've tried alcohol or I've tried sex or I've tried everything this world offers and I'm just as empty. When the high's done, I'm just as low as I was before. If not, lower folks, you, the only thing that's going to help you is Jesus Christ. If you get a hold of that living water, he'll put you on a high that doesn't go away. That void that's there will be gone. He'll come in and fill it and he'll clean you. He'll make you whole. If you never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'd like to give you an opportunity right now. And I don't know if y'all usually play music during an altar call, but that's the case, I'll ask our musician to come forward. And I'd like to open our altars up this morning. Please stand with me.